Eric, I, I want to play you a clip. Okay. Do you remember the movie Save the Last Dance? Yes, yes. The movie <laughs> where Julia Stiles, like, moves to the hood, falls in love with a black man, gets braids, and learns how black people dance. Right. So you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so I want to show you this one scene in particular. It, it just, like, it really fucked my life up as a teenager. So Julia Stiles and Carrie Washington, they're sitting in this free clinic on the south side of Chicago. And pretty much everybody in the clinic is a teen mom, you know, except for Julia Stiles, uh, because she is the only white person there. And Carrie and Julia are talking about Julia's boyfriend, Derek, who is black. So let me just play it. Derek's about something. He's smart. He's motivated. He's for real. He's not just going to make some babies and not take care of them or run the streets messing up his life. He's going to make something of himself. And here you come, white, so you got to be right. And you take one of the few decent men we have left after jail, drugs, and drive-by. That is what Nikki meant about you up in our world. There's only one world, Chanel. That is what they teach you. We know different. I don't understand. I thought we were friends. You want to be a friend? Don't just be here to be here. Open up your pretty brown eyes and look the hell around. I think the the chorus of crying black babies just really sails it at the end. (laughs) When Carrie Washington's character tells Julia Stiles to open her eyes. Like, this girl really opens up her eyes and starts looking around the room, just, like, staring at all these poor, fatherless Black children. Okay, so why why are we watching this, though? (laughs) Okay, bear with me, because we are about to get deep. So it seems like Kerry Washington's speech in this scene is about race. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's like this white girl and she's trying to take one of our men. But I think that it's really about her actions. Like, she's a teen mom. She's got no baby daddy. She's obviously never going to get a man. And pretty much like all of this is happening to her because she had sex. And probably only just the one time, like just enough to get pregnant. Because that's what happened to any Black teenager fortunate enough to have sex in any of those movies that came out when we were younger. Like Boys in the Hood, Coach Carter, Lean on Me. I don't make the rules on this. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it just is what it is. Yeah, that type of stuff is everywhere. Like, it was just kind of how people talked about Black folks and sex. True, absolutely true. And, you know, it gave me all these really bad terrible ideas. Like, somehow having sex was just gonna, like, irrevocably fuck my whole life up. But, fortunately, there are people out there as we speak, as we sit in this very studio, Mm. who are trying to counteract all of the weird, bad stuff that we were taught about sex in a very fresh way. From Gimlet Media, this is The Nod. And you are here with Blackness's biggest fans. I am Brittany Luce. And I'm Eric Eddings. And today, we're talking about sex. And more specifically, we're talking about some of the people that have changed the way Black folks think about sex. So, Brittany. Yes? Someone in one of my group texts sent me a video. Is this is this one of the group texts that I'm not in? Maybe maybe possibly your men's only group text? Uh possibly. 
Mm. It's not your business because you aren't in it. Okay. But normally in, in said conversation, it's just like stuff about like sports and like barbecuing because mm-hmm. I'm washed. But a while back, somebody sent me this video. It's by a woman named Glamazon Tayomi. She's got like 180,000 followers on YouTube. So folks are into it. Okay. And what they're into are videos like this right here. I've been drinking. And this is a sex position tutorial unlike any other. We have the fabulous Beyonce to thank for this one. This sex position tutorial has been created for you seamen and see women to get your feet wet and your bodies too. In learning how to properly perform this damn position, Beyonce keeps screaming about in her new single, Drunken Love. So, to so in this video, uh, you got Tayomi in, you know, this, like, in her bathing suit, and there's this, like, very ripped male model. Uh, <laughs> I see I see washboard apps. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Besides those <laughs> basics, you will need to fill the tub up halfway. She says halfway. They're actually literally in this beautiful bathtub in this, like, what is, like, a Grecian designed bathroom. It is a really nice bathroom. Yeah. You can add some candles around the tub to create a sexy mood. They're actually like you walking you through step by step and a few how to how to like have sex in a bathtub. But like the vibe is not at all like it's like not at all like raunchy or no. like like overly sexual. It's just like it's actually pretty chill. I mean, and that, to me, that's kind of what's cool about it. Like, it's just like a very relaxed, fun... Like, she's cracking jokes. She almost <laughs> slips in the tub. And apparently, I'm clumsy as hell. <laughs> you know, like, it's a very, like, chill, relaxed environment when, if you're thinking about, like, maybe how to do a sex position, you're probably a little uh, wound up. Because you can ride a surfboard a few different ways. You can ride a surfboard by... I mean, this is, I mean, she's a, I mean, this is, this is truly original work. I mean, I, there's, I have nothing to compare this to. It is. It is. And like, (laughs) since we're talking about surfboards, let me just say, Tayomi is making waves. Okay. So I had to find out more about her. So I called her up. My name is Tayomi Morgan. People know me as Glamazon Tayomi. And I am a sex educator and a sexuality coach slash broadcaster slash model slash journalist slash social media maven. Just pretty much a renaissance woman running a sexually based internet empire, one website and blog post at a time. So she's busy. (laughs) She is. But she's not kidding, though. Tayomi is all over social media. On Snapchat, she has this thing called Titty Tuesdays, where she sends snaps of different breasts every Tuesday to, like, celebrate all types of breasts. Hmm. And on Twitter, she gets people to brainstorm ideas for sex positions. And, of course, there are videos like the one I just played you, where she's describing how to surfboard. And the thing is, she's responding to a real demand. When Beyonce came out with her album, Beyonce, and she had Drunken Love, Mm -hmm. I just kept seeing people saying, surfboard? How do you do that? What is she talking about? A bathtub? I was like, come on, people. It's not that deep. I know how to do this. It's it's just cowgirl in a bathtub. So I made a video, and it went viral. Well, I I mean, it is easy to see why. Like, she broke everything down in, like, a really accessible, clear way. Like, I mean, you know... 
I'm not confident that my partner and I could both fit in a bathtub together. <laughs> but but watching the video did make it seem a lot less intimidating. Yeah. I mean, she was even wearing a shower cap. Because black women, we don't like getting our hair wet. Yeah. And that was like one of the, the critiques. People were like, why is she wearing a shower cap? I'm like, why wouldn't you wear a shower cap? I mean, a, a bonnet, a shower cap, rollers, none of that ever stopped me from getting it in. <laughs> so when people be like, I can't, get, I can't have sex with a woman that got a bonnet on, what's wrong with you, bro? <laughs> like her approach to sex is I mean it's definitely it's definitely bold but like there's like practical information in there but it's still really fun. Exactly. And like she's been doing this work for kind of a long time like since middle school. When I was 13, 14, my favorite boy band was B2K. That changed the game. And so I used to write these stories that involved my friends. It's like four of us, and it was four of them. So I'm like, oh, I can pair us all up with our favorite member. And so I used to create these little books that had these erotic stories about us in it. And I used to pass them around to my friends. I'm like, here's book one. I'm working on book two next. And I remember one of my friends saying... Man, every time you write about me, my sex scenes are weak. <laughs> I'm like, well, no shade, but you and your favorite member are a little boring, so, you know. <laughs> so she didn't tell me this, but I, the weak one had to be Raz B, right? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Taomi liked dreaming up sex scenes, but she didn't have sex until college. And she didn't have good sex until she met this guy. The lover that changed the game, like... When we would talk about sex, he would put it in ways that was so poetic and beautiful. And I'm like, oh, well, why am I not having this experience? You know, and <laughs> I remember him saying, well, why don't you like going down? Like, why don't you like giving head? And I'm like, you know, it's just I just really don't enjoy it. And he's like, well, why wouldn't you enjoy kissing the essence of the person that you love? And I said, well, when you put it that way, maybe it's just that I don't know what I'm doing. I think this is why Taomi is so dedicated to teaching other people. And I think an important part of that is that Taomi puts herself at the center of her work. I noticed that me putting myself out there and putting myself in the videos really did a lot of good because I have a black woman's body. And so then these women, they see me and they're like, dang, she can get her legs back that far? Her legs or her thighs are just as big as mine. I know I can do this. So how do you do that? <laughs> we need positive representations of ourselves because we're often objectified as Black women and fetishized as, a, as Black women and treated as like objects and playthings versus like women that actually have feelings and emotions and, you know, want to receive pleasure too. God, I, I kind of I got, got chills from listening to that just because like I can, I can relate to it so much. Like, you know, the whole thing where like, Black women are either seen as, like, hypersexual or sexually invisible. The fact that Taomi has created this space where she's just, like, having a good time and just, like, enjoying sex and, like, experimenting with it and teaching other people about it, like, that is just so cool to me. It is. It is. I agree. Just, like, doing this type of work, being so bold and free with yourself, like, that, that itself is pretty unusual. And I was wondering, like, where do you get the idea to do something like this? <laughs> Who inspired you? And she mentioned a black woman. Oprah. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, yes, she did mention Oprah. <laughs> but also another <laughs> woman, uh, an author who wrote really authentically 
about black sexuality, you might have a good guess for this one, too. Mm, I know you're talking about Zane. Yes. Zane. The idea that this black woman was writing these books and they were so erotic and sexy, that always inspired me. And to know that, I was like, man, she's a freak, you know. And in my mind, like, even though I wasn't having sex in high school, one thing I knew in my mind, I'm like, I'm freaky. Oh, Zane. Okay, okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Zane is like this black erotica author and all her books feature like these really like professional, together, ambitious black women in these really wild sexual situations. It was just nice to see someone that I know I could relate to. You know, she spoke a language that I could understand even though I was young, I could see myself in these character shoes. Because the women were always so successful and like about their shit and on their business. And um, it was just nice to see that this was a possibility for me now. Eric? Yes. The people need to know about Zane. Because mm. she didn't just inspire Taomi. I mean, like, Zane inspired a whole generation of people. I agree. After the break, we meet the woman behind these words. You pull away from me and then kneel down. Push the bottom of my dress up over my hips to my waist and then rip my hunter green satin thong bikinis off. You grab my ass cheeks firmly. Mm -mm. Cut. No more? (laughs) No more. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Welcome back. Welcome back. Okay, so, Eric, when we last spoke, you were telling me about Glamazon Tayomi and how she was inspired by the queen of erotica, a one Miss Zane. Uh, and so I have to tell you, Zane had actually, like, a lasting impact on my life as well. Okay, so, like, I don't have a sex YouTube channel. Okay. <laughs> right? But, like, when I discovered Zane's writing, like, it just kind of, like, washed away a lot of, like, the really terrible ideas that I got about sex, like, growing up and as a teenager. She kind of made me feel like there was, like, another way forward. And if my informal survey of Black women on the streets of Brooklyn is any indication, Zane has left quite the impression on a lot of people. So when I say the name Zane to you... Like the author, mm-hmm. what comes to mind? Mmm, mmm, kinky, freaky, um, naughty, dirty. So you guys have you read her stuff? Yeah, I was reading her stuff when I wasn't supposed to read her stuff. My mom has like a Zane collection, <laughs> and I was stealing her books. And I'm like, oh my god, just reading about different places you can have sex. You're like, okay, it's some enjoyment in there. It's not all about reproduction. It's can be fun. Mm. Oh, all of her books are very interesting. <laughs> yes. It was this thing with the big toe. Wait, say more about that. So, you know, you're doing it, you're, you're riding, and like you pull the guy's big toe right before he's about to climax, and it does something like ecstatic. So, it really does. I had two kids pulling somebody's big toe, so you gotta try it. I gotta pull the big toe. I'm not ready. I don't want. I'm not ready to have kids yet, though. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> it's good to know that everybody agrees with us on the importance of Zane's work. 
Oh my God, you're such a creep. <laughs> but but seriously though, like I can't think of anything that really compares to Zane in terms of how black women think about sex. And I really wanted to know, like, how did this woman break into the mainstream in such a serious way that like not only inspired like entire career paths, but also actually created children. So I called her up and I asked her, what was her secret? A lot of stories uh, say um, his manhood or his tool. I've never seen one of my friends say, oh, his manhood was so big. Or his man tool is huge. <laughs> you know, I just maybe it's where I grew up or something, but I just never have heard that. So the fact that I was using the words dick and pussy and um, you know, come all over my tits and lick his balls and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> I think people were just like shocked. Whew. Uh that is that is definitely insane. That <laughs> I had not really heard her talk before, but uh I have it in good confidence that that is Zane speaking right now. <laughs> so actually, Zane's real name is Christina Lafern Roberts. Turns out her pen name is just her AOL screen name. And that's where she actually began posting her writing on AOL. She started pretty small. I just started out with one short story called First Night. I sent it to a couple of people that I knew from America Online chat rooms. Mm-hmm. And at the time, ironically, a lot of people don't know this, I was actually a research assistant for Duke Divinity School. (laughs) So the computer that I started writing erotica on actually was a Duke Divinity School computer. Just imagine somebody like looking up scriptures on the Divinity School computer and coming across (laughs) the Zane store. Oh my God. Get it? Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, I wanted to know, like, how do you get from posting your writing in a chat room to like selling millions of copies of books. I wrote this story and I sent it to a few people and they immediately went crazy and they were like, oh, that's the hottest thing I've ever read. Have you written anything else? Uh I thought that was funny. So I wrote a couple more stories and they were called The Seduction in the Airport. So I had three short stories Uh and I put them on my free America Online web space. But AOL shut her down because of all of the explicit content. So Zane decided to go underground. She started her own Black erotica website. And she even figured out how to make money off of her writing. The deal was 10 stories for 10 bucks plus shipping. And pretty soon she was spending all day at Kinko's, just copying stories and sending them off. It got so big that big-name publishers actually started calling her up. All of them were like, oh, you're like one of the best we've ever read, but we need to tame you down. You're too risque. We need you to write (laughs) a typical black romance type of novel or a Terry McMillan type of book or something like that. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I didn't come checking for (laughs) y'all. I mean, I don't even know if I want to do this. What ultimately happened is I kind of got offended. I got offended Mm -hmm. not only for myself, but for the fact that people thought there was something wrong with women, in particular Black women, expressing themselves sexually. So she kind of said no to all these publishers and just kept putting stuff out on her own until she met someone who got it. I didn't need any convincing that there was an audience for a book about Black love. This is Carol Taylor. Right now, she's the editor of Brown Sugar Books, which is an independent Black erotica publisher. But back then, she worked for a big publishing house. You know, publishing at the time was not terribly diverse back in the 90s. So if I'm in an editorial meeting, there's probably one editor of color myself. 
So I wasn't the one who needed the convincing. I had to convince my editorial board. And when I was able to do that, I was extremely excited because then I knew the floodgates were open. So after Carol published one of Zane's early stories, Zane ends up getting this book deal with Simon & Schuster. I mean, this is a major publisher. And her success just keeps building and building. And now she's got this whole, like, empire. I mean, Zane is huge. She's still writing books. And she has her very own publishing imprint where she can, like, boost the work of other writers. She's had not one, but two shows on Cinemax. And she's even had a feature film made out of one of her books. I mean, like, basically that type of success for a Black woman in that field is totally unprecedented. And it's not even like Zane's just wildly successful. Like, she's also really dearly beloved by Black women all across the board. I've had up to four generations of one family come to my book signings before. Four <laughs> generations in one family? Yeah, yeah, four. I know women in their 90s that read my Ooh. books. And I know younger uh, women that their mothers are just like, look, I'm just glad my daughter's reading. So you might say it's a family affair. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is a way that you could put it. Something about her writing, though, it taps into how women, like especially Black women, feel about themselves. You know, I mean, she empowered these four generations of women in one family to, you know, satiate their curiosity about sex or to have better sex. I mean, look at what she did for Glamazon Tayomi. Like, Zane inspired her to make a whole career out of embracing her sexuality. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, actually, when I talked to Tayomi, she told me, like, she wants to be able to do for others what Zane did for her. I like to think that I've been an inspiration to other women of color to get into this work. And I know I've had quite a few women write me and say that I have inspired them to go into, you know, doing the work. You know, we grew up with all these, like, problematic movies, Mm -hmm. weird images, preconceived notions, and troubling conversations about sex. And, like, now there are people out there who are doing this work to just, like, change all that. I don't know. To me, that's kind of dope. I mean, it, it really is. And we just literally wouldn't have any of that if we didn't have Zane. This episode of The Nod was produced by me, Brittany Luce, with Eric Eddings, Kate Parkinson-Morgan, James T. Green, Emmanuel Barry, Isabella Kulkarni, and Wendy Dorr. Our senior producer is Sara Abdurrahman. We were edited by Jorge Just and Annie Rose Strasser. Engineering from Matthew Bull and Cedric Wilson. Our theme music is by Khalid B. Other original music in the show by New World Jazz Project. Because we're a new show, we would love it if you could rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show. And if you feel so inclined, we'd really appreciate five stars. Five stars. Just throwing it out there. Five stars. Subliminal messaging. Mm. 